Hello, and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for the week of September 1st. I'm Logan Finney. This week, I sit down with Idaho Capital Sun reporter Clark Corbin to preview the redistricting process that kicks off this week to draw new legislative and congressional district maps for future elections in Idaho. But first, on Tuesday, Governor Brad Little announced the activation of up to 150 Idaho National Guard members to support healthcare facilities across the state as hospitals are filled beyond capacity with unvaccinated COVID-19 patients. Little also announced he will deploy up to 200 federal medical and administrative personnel, as well as a 20-person Department of Defense medical team that will be deployed to North Idaho, where Kootenai Health is dangerously close to declaring crisis standards of care. Hospitals routinely share resources when staffing and beds become limited. But all hospitals across the state and nation are experiencing severely limited staff, space, and equipment because too many people with COVID-19 need care. We are dangerously close to activating statewide crisis standards of care, a historic step that means Idahoans in need of health care could receive a lesser standard of care or may be turned away altogether. I hope and pray it will be enough for us to avoid statewide crisis standards of care but we're teetering on the brink. And there's only one real solution to the crisis. We need more Idahoans to choose to receive the safe, effective COVID-19 vaccine. You can find more details and Little's full speech on the Idaho Reports blog. On Thursday, September 9th, we'll have a live special on the consequences of crisis care, with hospital representatives from around the state to update you on the COVID-19 surge and the impacts it's having on the delivery of healthcare services in every region of Idaho. You can watch that on September 9th at 8 p.m. on Idaho Public Television and stream it online anytime after it airs. Now, here's my interview with Clark. Clark Corbin with the Idaho Capital Sun, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks Logan for having me on. So I want to start off with, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, and we just heard from Governor Little that he is activating uh, some members of the Idaho National Guard and some other federal personnel to help with the hospital uh, capacity overflow that we're seeing in the state. What what did you draw from today's announcement? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. I mean, the governor said uh, we're at a point in the pandemic that we haven't been before with the surge that we're seeing in COVID-19 cases. Governor Little talked about how, how he was on a call uh, with hospital administrators this morning and learned that there were only four traditional adult ICU beds available in the whole state, and that's out of almost 400. So he really called this move kind of a last-ditch effort to try to help avoid activating uh, crisis standards of care. But he said, really, uh, what it's going to take is it's going to take more Idahoans getting uh, their free COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, he's really been pushing uh, people to choose to get vaccinated. And I was reading your story, Little and Speaker Bedkey toured some ICU units here in the Treasure Valley recently. What did they have to say about that? Yeah, that's right. I spoke to uh, Speaker of the House, Scott Bedkey, uh, about their visit. Uh, this was on Tuesday morning that I talked to him. The visit took place on Monday. It was at the St. Luke's downtown Boise Medical Facility, and they toured uh, the ICU and what Scott Bedke told me is that it was a powerful, sobering experience. What struck him is how many patients were sick with COVID, how young they were, 
and how all of them were unvaccinated. Uh, Bedke told me about seeing an otherwise healthy 30-year-old man who was sick with COVID-19. Uh, Bedke said he counted six intravenous tubes that were hooked up to this man, and then he had to be rolled over onto his stomach. Uh, in another instance, uh, they saw the governor and the speaker saw a, a pregnant mother, and she was struggling trying to get a FaceTime set up with her children and her her husband was standing on one side of the glass and she was on the other and and Bedke said the whole family was concerned but he said um, there were probably 35 other stories like that he emphasized uh, that all the people were unvaccinated it struck him how young they were and how how sick they were uh, and and that was uh, yeah so I talked to him a little bit about the trip and, and Bedke told me that that he himself is vaccinated that Bedke's uh, vaccinated for COVID-19. And there has been some calls from more conservative members of the House to uh, bring the legislature back into session to address some situations we've seen where employers such as the big healthcare organizations in the Treasure Valley are mandating uh, vaccinations for their employees. Did he have anything to say about the possibility of the legislature coming to address that? Yeah, I did. I, I asked him about it and he left the door open uh, for the legislature, uh, for the House to return. What he said he's looking for is a piece of draft legislation that already has enough votes to pass both the House and the Senate. So that's 36 votes in the House, 18 votes in the Senate. He said otherwise it would just be this open-ended agenda. Uh, we'd be running around wasting the taxpayers' money uh, for days, if not weeks, on end. So he says that's what it would take is a narrow piece of legislation that already has the support uh, to pass it sounds like so far he has not seen that yet when i asked bedke what his personal position was is he said he doesn't think that the government should be in the business of writing law uh trying to dictate what happens between employer and employee contracts uh, in the same breath bedke also told me uh, that he understands some people's concern well, so what he described as some people's concern and hesitancy uh, to get the COVID 19 vaccine uh, but he did say that touring the hospitals, he walked away with a ton of respect and admiration for the hospital staff. And he has come to realize that what the hospitals are doing is trying to provide the safest possible environment for their patients. That's something that Bedke told me. He told me he was struck by the professionalism and commitment uh, of the staff and of everyone he talked to uh, at these hospitals. So he left the door open. He did say, technically speaking, the legislature does have to return before the end of the calendar year to kind of close the books, take care of some year end stuff. So it sounds like they will be coming back in some form or fashion. Uh, but in terms of addressing vaccine requirements, that's what he said he's looking for. He says he's looking for support, something focused. Uh, he doesn't want to just open the door for a free for all that could go on for weeks. And like we saw earlier this year, longest legislative session in state history. And so uh, doesn't just want to open the door right up for that again. But again, he's leaving the door open. All right. Thanks for that legislative update. Yeah, you're welcome. Let's jump into the meat of the interview with redistricting. So just for to lay the basics of the groundwork, what is redistricting? What are we jumping into here? Yeah, this is a really important process that happens every 10 years. And essentially what we're doing is taking the new 2020 census data, which we just received in August. We're taking that data and we're redrawing Idaho's legislative and congressional districts. Idaho has 35 legislative districts and two congressional districts. 
the overall number of districts isn't changing, but Idaho's population has changed rapidly over the past 10 years. That's one of the things we learned from the census is that Idaho is the second fastest growing state in the country behind only Utah, and Idaho was home to the fourth fastest growing city in the country, and that was Meridian. And so Idaho's grown rapidly, but it's grown at uneven levels all throughout the state. And so that's why we're doing redistricting. And the idea is to ensure that representation is proportional all across the state. And so that the idea is that um, for legislative districts, the ideal one would be if you can take the population of Idaho, which I think is about 1.8 million from the census and divide that into 35 equal parts. That's really the ideal of what we're going for. And I know it seems like kind of an intimidating wonky process and it certainly is but I it's really important and I think it's actually going to be kind of cool for the public to fo to follow um, but it affects which elected officials are going to represent you and your neighbors it affects who you'll be able to vote for uh, starting with the spring primary elections uh, and it's, it, it could have the potential to create all kinds of uncertainty I think there's going to be situations where likely legislators who up until now have been serving in different neighboring legislative districts, I think in some cases they'll be drafted together into the same district and they'll have to decide whether to run against each other or step aside. And so there's gonna be a lot of interesting things that will happen. Uh, it's this 90 day process. It kicks off on September 1st. There's three days of meetings right back to back. Uh, at the state capitol building this weekend. They're really going to get going with it. But one of the cool things is the software that the commissioners are gonna use to redraw these maps, that's gonna be available for Idaho residents to use. And so anybody can go on this redistricting website and not only get a sense of the task at hand, uh, but you can actually go through and submit your own map and turn it into the redistricting commission if you would like them to consider it. And there's all kinds of considerations that will go into this. The Idaho Constitution requires this redistricting process, as does the U.S. Constitution. And there's all kinds of considerations. These redistrict redistricting commissioners are going to have to avoid uh, splitting up counties. They're going to have to try to split as few counties as possible in the state of Idaho. But at the same time, they're going to try to do things like keep cities and communities of interest together. They're trying to avoid um, what, what would be considered oddly shaped legislative districts with like tentacles or arms sticking out here and there or being like connected by some weird um, narrow line. And so it's going to be a complicated process, but just on the surface, trying to split 44 counties into 35 legislative districts, it's not going to work out perfectly. And so we know that particularly Ada and Canyon County and the Treasure, Treasure Valley are going to have to be split up. And it looks like one of the differences uh, as a result of the new census data which showed that cities generally speaking cities and larger towns grew faster uh, than rural areas and so it really looks like ada or canyon county is going to pick up an additional legislative district and because we're capped at 35 that would come at the expense of somewhere else and so there will be some changes and it's kind of an interesting process i don't know if you want to get into who the commissioners are and this process that we're going to use uh, i think it's pretty interesting the way idaho does it yeah before we jump into the commission i wanted to ask you a little bit more about the census data because this process is happening later in the year than it usually does and that's because of some delays in the actual data itself is that right yeah that's exactly right 
Uh, the process has been delayed basically as a result, Census Bureau officials are saying of the COVID-19 pandemic, that there were delays in gathering and processing this data. Uh, and I can tell you, I covered the redistricting 10 years ago. And so after Census 2010, we got the data on March 10th of 2011. We didn't get the data until August 12th of this year so we're already five months behind the process and that really could create a delicate situation knowing that we have a primary election that right now is scheduled by law to take place on may 17th of 2022 but in order for that to happen we have to have this plan and these new maps finalized basically by late february because that's the period of time when candidates can officially start declaring for office and they need to be able to know which district they're going to be running in County clerks are going to have to do things like start preparing absentee ballots. And so we're five months behind and we have 90 days to complete this redistricting process once it kicks off September 1st. But if there's a big impasse or if there's an impasse and a lawsuit like there was in 2010, it really, um, I mean, I think it's fair to say it could create a situation where they have to delay the May primary. Um, and that would really be interesting and sort of um, chaotic but uh, that's what we're looking at is if there's an impasse if there's a big lawsuit and it's tied up in the courts really need to have those finalized uh, by late february in order to get ready for our spring primary elections and so it's always kind of a a delicate affair by a nature kind of tense and turbulent but with these time considerations you're exactly right to point out that delay in getting the census bureau data uh, this time crunch creates another consideration where if something gets bogged down, it could be a real problem. Right. The commission has 90 days to draw and set the maps, but that is not the end of the process. There's still all the, the things that have to happen on the ground locally to get the districts and the elections running. Yeah, absolutely. I talked to Ada County Clerk Phil McGrain about what it takes on the back end. and. When you have a county like Ada County that has to be split up a bunch, like we anticipate it will be through redistricting, it means he literally has to go through every house and say, okay, you're gonna be in district 18. And over here across the street, you're gonna be in district 17. And they're really going through every parcel of land, double checking where it's gonna go. And to do that, they're also gonna add uh, new precincts and new polling locations in Ada County. So there might be a new place where Ada County residents go and vote for the first time uh, this spring, but all of that needs to happen um, between when the maps are finalized and we have this primary election. Uh, and so that's why, you know, the 90 days that gives us until November 30th. Um, but if there's a court challenge or an impasse, that would really delay uh, what would need to happen next to get geared up to have our election, both with getting the ballots ready and getting everybody declared to run on the proper um districts but also making sure each house and each tract of land is put with like in the exact right space in the map and as you said you covered the redistricting 10 years ago and there are the possibility of court challenges uh once a map is is put out could you walk me through a little bit of that history of what happened 10 years ago and what could happen again this cycle yeah, any voter in Idaho or any city or county can sue. And so 10 years ago, uh, Twin Falls sued over the plan and it went to court. It went to the Idaho Supreme Court. Um, I believe they heard it in 
January of 2012, I want to say. So they were really running up right against um, the deadline. But before that, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but it was important history for 2010. They appointed a redistricting commission. It had 90 days. This first commission in 2010 went through the process and was not able to agree on a map and was not able to agree on a plan. And so they adjourned without producing any plan. Um, so there's six commissioners. We'll get to that in a second, but there are six commissioners. It takes four votes to approve in a map and a plan. The first redistricting commission didn't do it in 2010. Another redistricting commission was appointed. They did get the maps and plans approved after going through something like 90 potential candidates of legislative maps. Uh, it was approved. Shortly after it was approved, Twin Falls sued. That went before the Idaho Supreme Court in January, um, which ultimately approved the maps, but came forward with a ruling that talked about um, splitting up as few counties as possible. That was one of the most important aspects of the 2010 court ruling uh, was this push to split up as few counties as possible. The idea being, if you've got two maps side by side and one splits up nine counties and another splits up eight counties, uh, go with the eight county map uh, is sort of my takeaway and how um, that ruling from 2010 has been explained. But so, yeah, if some of these delays and if some of these challenges happen this year, like happened in 2010, that could really push us up against um, those deadlines for getting ready for that primary election. So that'd be a real concern. It's a complicated process with a lot of factors to consider. It is for sure. It's not an enviable task for the redistricting commissioners. So now let's move into the actual commission that's meeting this year. Can you walk me through who some of the members are and what their experience is? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Idaho is one of only 14 states that uses this bipartisan redistricting commission to do the process. The rest of the states, it's the state legislature that handled it. Uh, Idaho used to do that, uh, but since 2000, it's been this redistricting commission. And there's six members and it's basically uh, breaks down as three members each appointed by the two dominant political parties, three Republicans, three Democrats. There's a lot of experience uh, on this year's redistricting commission, I think highlighted at the top with Republican redistricting commissioner, Bart Davis, the longtime majority leader of the Idaho Senate, also a former US attorney uh, in the state of Idaho. He's one of the commissioners, former state representative, Eric Redmond, uh, and Thomas Daly are the other two Republican commissioners. Uh, for the Democrats, you have former Democratic State Senator Dan Schmidt, um, who's up in the Moscow area, who's a physician, served in the Idaho Senate. For the Democrats, former Democratic U.S. Senate candidate Nels Mitchell is a redistricting commissioner. And then Amber Pence is one of the Democratic redistricting commissioners. Right now, Amber works for the Teton County Board of County Commissioners over in Eastern Idaho along the Wyoming border there. Uh, Amber has a lot of experience with campaigning uh, and even some lobbying experience. She's worked on some campaigns. Uh, she worked for um, former Mayor Dave Beter in the, in the uh, Boise. And so she has a lot of kind of behind the scenes political experience. But yeah, it's these six commissioners. It's this bipartisan commission. Uh, this process was actually approved by a constitutional amendment that the legislature approved in 1993 and Idaho voters approved in 1994. So now we have these six commissioners and it's going to take four votes to approve the maps and the plan. And so that means at least one person 
um, you know, would have to go with the other party's plan. Ideally, I think they're hoping for a unanimous approval, but you're going to at least, it couldn't be like a partisan three to three split. You at least need one person to go over um, to get that two thirds equivalent approval there. So that's kind of how the process will work. I've talked to five of the six commissioners in about the last 10 days, and I saw the other ones speak. Uh, they're talking about how they want to work together. They understand that there's a little bit of a delay. They understand the importance of the process. Uh, they say they want to work together and avoid partisanship and work towards getting um, a yes. They say that spinning up as few counties as possible uh, is their goal alongside, obviously, the requirement to have the legislative districts be of pretty close to equal size. Um, that's the kind of things that they're talking about. And so it'll be really interesting to follow this process once it kicks off uh, again this week at the State Capitol building. Yeah, the first meeting of the redistricting commission is September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week. What sort of things are on the agenda and what will the commission be doing to get this started? At the beginning, they're really gonna be kind of ramping up. They're gonna get some history of redistricting in Idaho. They're gonna kind of grow, go over uh, the responsibilities in the Idaho Constitution and in state law that they have to keep in mind. They're gonna hear from a couple of the redistricting commissioners from 10 years ago about that experience. And, and then they're gonna vote on whether they have a chair or a co-chair system. So kind of the structure of how the commission will be organized. From there forward, I think they're really gonna talk about what they do next. And so we anticipate that there'll be public meetings taking place at least in some different regions of the state. Uh, so I would expect, um, you know, maybe trips out to have public meetings, maybe Twin Falls, maybe Idaho Falls or Pocatello, um, maybe somewhere up north. I know that the Idaho Native American tribes have requested to have a redistricting commission meeting take place um, on a reservation. And so we're gonna get into the schedule and kind of the organization of when these public meetings will take place. I think they'll start talking about the software and how to use it. Uh, and they may uh, publish that software online so that people can start submitting maps and plans. So uh, the first day is really gonna be about getting organized, getting kind of a background on the process and the laws and the regulations. And then I think we're gonna talk about uh, moving forward and how to get the, get the show on the road, so to speak. And once the first meeting happens on September 1st, they statutorily have 90 days to, to work that out. So that's the end of November is their deadline? Yeah, November 30th. Yeah, you're exactly right. 90 days is the limit. So that's uh, that looks like November 30th. So we've got the census data. Like you said, there's been a lot of growth in urban areas, not so much growth or even in some cases some shrinkage in the rural areas. Um, of course, it's up to the commissioners what the map looks like, but what are kind of the trends that we've been seeing with population growth and how is that expected to affect the map that we have currently? The thing that jumped out to me the most was how much District 14 has grown above what you would consider this ideal district size based on splitting the state up uh, into 35 different parts. District 14, uh, I think that that's going to be out in Western Ada County, the district that uh, long-term House Majority Leader Mike Moyle uh, represents. Gayanne de Mordaunt is the other um, House member there. And so that's Ada County. That includes Eagle, includes Star. Uh, I think little parts of Meridian are in there. Uh, that district has grown uh, and is bigger, uh, much bigger than it should be. And so, um, on the other hand, you have districts that um, 
are smaller than the average size. And so uh, Pocatello didn't grow as fast, for instance, as uh, Ada County and Meridian. So that side of, of Eastern Idaho didn't, didn't grow fast. Uh, up in a very remote Clark County, Dubois um, area, that, that didn't grow uh, hardly at all either. Um, and so there will be some legislative districts that are gonna have to change. And it's gonna be interesting kind of balance uh, this population growth with um, keeping counties from being split up. It's really going to be uh, a challenge. Like right now, it looks like based on population size, Madison County would be the ideal size to be a standalone district. Uh, the way things are drawn now and have been for the last 10 years, Madison County had a little bit of Bonneville County included with it. Uh, it may not need that going forward. I think uh, District 5 uh, up in uh, northern Idaho it is maybe going to have to change. That's the one that includes Benoit and Latah counties. That didn't grow uh, at the same rapid rate uh, that the Treasure Valley, Boise, Meridian grew. And so some of those things are going to be things that the redistricting commissioners wrestle with. Uh, I talked to two of the commissioners, Eric Redmond and Dan Schmidt, who said, you know, we're going to have to give up on this concept of trying to make everybody happy because we're not going to be able to make everybody happy. What we need to do is make Idaho Supreme Court happy and come up with a map that splits the state up into equal sized districts and keeps the counties together. Uh, but it is gonna be a tense process. Uh, there might well be challenges. There might well be a lawsuit at the end. Um, it could get political. There's gonna be pressure on these commissioners and we don't know quite how it's gonna play out, but um, it's, it's not going to be the case where we can just take the existing 35 districts and cut a little here and paste a little here. I think they're going to have to go and pretty much start over um, with the maps at this point because of how unevenly divided uh, our growth was over the previous decade. I've heard a lot of folks say that Ada in Canyon County, the Treasure Valley is basically guaranteed to pick up an extra district. And like you said, because we're capped at 35, that means somewhere else is gonna to have to lose a district. And there are a lot of weird geographical considerations like up in District 1 at the very northern end of the state, Boundary County doesn't have enough population to have a district by itself, but Boundary and Bonner together has too many people, so Bonner County is gonna to have to be split. There's all sorts of considerations. It's gonna be real complicated for the commissioners. There all are all sorts of considerations. There's crazy legislative districts now uh, in terms of geographic size. I'm thinking of maybe District 8, that's like a huge percentage uh, of central Idaho and how difficult that is, um, you know, just how, how hard that is. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Considerations up north where things aren't gonna work together perfectly, uh, Ada and Canyon County between them, certainly looks like someone's gonna pick up a legislative district. It's now set in stone that we only have 35 districts to work with. And so it's going to be a tricky process. It's uh, you're not, unfortunately, you can't just divide everything by 35 um, equally. It's there's all kinds of considerations and it's going to be tough, but it's important, right? It affects who's going to represent uh, you and your neighbors. It affects where you vote and who you can vote for. Uh, and, and those are going to have implications for the policy that's enacted and where money is spent. And so it really is going to go a long way to shaping elections and politics in Idaho for the next 10 years. And I know it feels like an intimidating process, but it's an important process, I think, for folks to be aware of.
And of course, the legislative map isn't the only map that's being redrawn. We also have two congressional districts. So splitting the state in half is a much easier task, of course, than splitting it into 35. But how are we expecting the congressional district line to shift? It's a, it's a good question. You're right. Theoretically, that one should be easy. Even though Idaho grew uh, so much, we did not grow quite enough to get an extra congressional seat. So we will still have our two seats like we did before. Um, what I've been told is really the expectation with the congressional districts is really to have them exactly the same size population uh, as possible, like maybe with even one or two or three or four or five people that it's really a high expectation uh, for focused on that equal representation between the two districts. And so it will be interesting to see do they kind of split up the population center uh, in the Treasure Valley area again and have some of that go in District 1 and some of that go in District 2? It'll really be interesting to see where that line goes. In theory, that could be the easier map to approve because it's just uh, two, uh, two districts, one boundary line. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they divide that up um, and, and, and what that looks like going forward or how different it is from the current one but yeah that you're absolutely right two two maps that, that have to be redrawn not just the legislative one uh, the congressional one will need to be redrawn as well and so that can have all kinds of effects for voters too maybe maybe you've been uh you know used to voting for congressman simpson for the last 10 years and let's say he runs again next year you might live in a totally different legislature or congressional district and so there's all kinds of different ways that this can affect you and your family uh, based on where these lines are drawn. And then stepping back to the legislative map, um, you guys at the Idaho Capital Sun ran an interesting column recently from uh, former Representative Stephen Harkin who said that this process could possibly affect the partisan makeup of the legislature. Are you able to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I was just, I was just uh, didn't get a chance to finish calling that one up again right before uh, we started our interview today, but I think he was talking about how it could affect Blaine County, uh, which has had basically been one of maybe three, four areas of the state where Democrats have been successful in having, um, you know, uh, Democrats elected uh, to the Idaho legislature. Republicans have the super majority and that hasn't changed. Um, but yeah, I think that eight, what happens to what is now, uh, it was, yeah, that's right. It was District 26, uh, which right now is a district where all three seats are held by um, Democrats, uh, but it includes Blaine, Camas, Gooding, and Lincoln counties, and how that area is split up, particularly Blaine County, could affect the partisan makeup of the legislature. It, you know, district serving Blaine County could be interesting if that's affected or changed uh, in the way that he said. So once commissioners meet, this week, they'll be planning regional hearings around the state to get feedback from voters. And like you said, the voters will have an opportunity to use the the actual same redistricting software as the commissioners are using. Yeah, it's called Maptitude. And so it's the exact same software. And so that'll be available on the redistricting website, which you can get through the legislature's website. And so drawing up the maps in the same fashion uh, using everything that they have there at their disposal. The public can use it and submit the plans too. You can play around uh, with the different files and draw your own maps and, and kind of see what that would look like and how challenging that is uh, to divide up counties uh, and to, and to kind of put this together. 
Is there anything else that we haven't gotten to that you think is important for our listeners to hear about? Well, I know that uh, you talked about the regional meetings. I know that Idaho Public Television's Idaho In Session service will be streaming these redistricting uh, commission meetings. And so the public can follow along with the process September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, and then each of the subsequent meetings that way. Uh, I know I'll plan to cover it for the Idaho Capital Sun. I'll try to get out to some of these regional meetings as well. Uh, but I hope to follow the process all the way through. Um, and I know that uh, that you guys are tracking it too. So there'll be a lot of opportunities to stay involved and it will, you know, I think it will be one of the most important things going on this fall leading up to the legislative session, leading up to the elections. And so uh, it'll be important to keep an eye on and there'll be all kinds of opportunities to do that. Yeah, Melissa Davlin and I will be covering the redistricting process here at Idaho Reports. And like you say, it'll have big implications for the election that's coming up in May for the primaries, and it'll affect every election in Idaho for the next decade. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so the stakes are pretty high. It's going to affect uh, voters and, 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 and their neighbors. And so that's why it's important to, to keep an eye on. All right. Clark Corbin of the Idaho Capital Sun, thanks so much for your time today. Hey, thanks for having me on. I always appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Idaho Reports and the Idaho Capital Sun will follow this week's redistricting meetings in detail and future meetings as they're announced. Join us next Wednesday for a new episode of the Idaho Reports podcast, and be sure to follow us on social media for updates throughout the week. You can find our specials on the state's overwhelmed healthcare system at idahoptv.org slash idahoreports. presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.